Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus and we are off a game week edition in defense of the big 12 tyler mccomas in norman oklahoma brad kellner in austin texas and uh, what a glorious day it is post labor day edition of the podcast oh my god we just might actually have Big 12 football coming up uh, on this Saturday. Um, well, I mean, I, I think that we're going to have games coming up this weekend, Brad. We have <laughs> already have two that have been either postponed or canceled, TCU and SMU. I thought it was going to be the premier non-conference game in the league this year. Won't be played this Friday night. And then announced on late Monday night that Oklahoma State and Tulsa will be moved back a week from this Saturday to September 19th. So, Here's a week now for the next few days where we just sit back and kind of hold our breath and yeah. hopefully no other non-conference games are pushed back or canceled altogether. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, it was beautiful to watch college football this past weekend. Obviously, we got two games in week zero at the end of August last Saturday, but it was nice to watch some FBS teams uh, play this weekend. That was good to see. So hopefully that can happen this weekend. Obviously, the first major weekend of college football coming up on Saturday. You've got some Power 5 conferences getting getting uh, to be a part of the action this weekend. So, yeah, unfortunate news. Uh, I'm glad the Oklahoma State-Tulsa game has a concrete date, right? As you mentioned it, they just moved it from this Saturday to next Saturday, September 19th. I think the good news for the Big 12 is that it's Tulsa's problem, right? Tulsa yeah. is the program dealing with COVID. And once again, the fact that there is a concrete date tells you that, all right, it shouldn't be too bad. It's, and it seems like they should be good to go by the time next weekend rolls around. But in terms of Big 12 play, I think that's good news that Oklahoma State is is okay. Uh, and obviously the TCU-SMU game, as you mentioned, man, I mean, we've talked about it a couple of times here on this podcast. That seems to be the premier game, the premier non-conference game in the sport this year. Right. I mean, you, you get rid of most of your non-conference rivalry games, number one. And then number two, most of the non-conference games you have across the sport are just against cupcake opponents. This one, you actually had a pretty good matchup, right? TCU SMU playing for the Iron Skillet, which is a hilarious rivalry name. But SMU, a 10-win team from a year ago, played on Saturday. Didn't look that great, right? That was a little bit tougher and tighter against Texas State than they probably would have liked. But that's obviously obviously still a good SMU team with a senior quarterback and Shane Bouchel going up against TCU. That felt like the best non-conference game we were going to have in the sport. And Tyler, I'm not sure if that game's going to get played at all. Like there's there's a huge part of me that has always thought TCU has kind of been dodging that game a little bit. And and look, if they have enough positive COVID tests, I mean, you can't call them out, right? The number one goal is to try to play this season as safely as you possibly can. So 
if you do have to scrap the non-conference game to get to the conference games and make sure everybody's healthy by September 26th, then you do that. But man, there's a, there's a part of me that thinks this is a little bit fishy because it, it felt like a couple of months ago, TCU was trying to dodge this game a little bit. And now the fact that, yeah, basically a week and a half before the game's supposed to be played, they sort of opt out again. That, uh, Leaves a little bit of a sour feeling in my mouth, man. Yeah, I mean, they, they said that they might try to find a common off week or something like that to be able to play this year if maybe both teams get a game cancellation the same week and they're okay to play. They might play in Fort Worth or something like that. But I, I'm kind of with you. I think TCU knows what SMU has this year, especially at quarterback. And TCU knows what TCU has this year as, as well, which yeah. is probably not going to be very good quarterback play. And if they really want to get this in, I think that they're going to have the opportunity to do so. I'm not projecting TCU to be in the Big 12 championship this year. I probably won't pick SMU to be in the American Athletic Conference championship this year. So conference championship weekend, if they really wanted to, they could probably figure out a way to play that game. But I'm kind of like you. like I don't think TCU... You know, they're, they're just dying to play that football game this year because they know that SMU beat them last year and what happens if little brother across town, you know, beats them again? That'd be a pretty bad look for them. So, yeah, I don't think TCU-SMU is going to happen for sure. Yeah, at that point, what would be the point, right? Like, yeah. if you wait that long to the end of the year, conference championships are already decided. And, and we don't know what bowl season is going to look like this year, right? I mean, we know the plan is to have a college football playoff, of course. But in terms of the rest of the bowls and how many wins it's going to take to qualify for a bowl this year, if we even have bowls this year, we have no idea what that's going to be like. So maybe if that's on the line at the end of the season, we could see that game happen. But, man, it's just weird to me. Like TCU, I mean, I remember not even a decade ago, Tyler, where TCU was the team that nobody wanted to play and everybody uh-huh. else seemed to be shying away from them because they were in the WAC and then the Mountain West. And, you know, what good is it to play TCU? And I remember TCU fans always being like, eh, nobody wants to play us. This sucks. And now uh, it almost feels like life has come full circle and they're doing <laughs> The same thing the other way, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. By the way, we will be doing both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State team previews today. We'll do that at the back half of this episode. Thanks for checking us out on Twitch. You can do so every normally every Monday at 10 a.m. Central, but come on. Me and BK took off the uh, holiday weekend. You can't blame us for that, all right? We sat around all day. Maybe we hung out at the pool, drank some beer, watched BYU-Navy last night, you know? But, uh, yeah, we're normally right here every Monday at 10 a.m. and every Thursday at 10 a.m. Central as well. So we appreciate you checking us out on Twitch. And be sure to leave a comment for us. We'd love to answer any questions you got about the Big 12. Tell us you like the podcast. Tell us you think the podcast sucks. Whatever. Just uh, fill up the comment section for sure. Okay, so Texas released a depth chart over the weekend, and I looked it over. Brennan Eagles is not a starter this year, which may be a little bit surprising. Anything about the UT depth chart that maybe surprised you a little bit this weekend? You know, I think from a, from a national perspective, that probably surprised a lot of folks. And if you haven't been paying attention to the Texas offseason, that probably surprised you. I mean, Brandon Eagles is by far and away the leading returning receiver on this football team. But, man, he had a pretty tumultuous calendar year, right? I won't even yeah, call it just an offseason because it kind of goes back to last year as well. He was actually suspended for Texas's loss to TCU uh, because he missed a practice with an unexcused absence that week and kind of got into it with uh, with the wide receiver coach at Texas. Now, that wide receiver coach is gone, and 
got by a lot of accounts, a lot of stories that came out after he was fired. Uh, there were some problems with him. So maybe I don't pin that all on Brandon Eagles, but that did happen. And then this offseason, Brandon Eagles took to social media and was one of the guys who threatened to never play again. Right. And, and that was less to do with Texas and more with the problems uh, with social justice that were going on in this country. But, you know, maybe that was sort of a part of it and put him in a little bit of a doghouse. And I think there's been kind of a question of, you know, what is the buy in for this guy? Like, yeah. he, once again, the most talented and most experienced receiver this football team has, but it doesn't always feel like he's been 100% bought in, right? It kind of feels like he's just been dipping his toes in the water instead of jumping all the way in. So, you know, Texas doesn't have a lot of experienced commodities on the outside, but they've got some talented pieces, including Tariq Black, the grad transfer from Michigan, who, whenever he was healthy up in Ann Arbor, was a really, really good player. So, yeah, I mean, I think Brennan Eagles is going to get some playing time. But once again, I think if you paid attention to what's happened this offseason, like the writing has kind of been on the wall. A couple of weeks ago, Eagles was getting reps with a freshman instead of the first team. And it just has kind of felt like, all right, I don't know if it's a doghouse thing or it's just he hasn't been producing or, or what's been going on. But uh, if you're a, if you're a Texas fan, I don't think this news comes as that big of a shock. Keontae Ingram listed as the starter at running back, 15 career starts. Uh, Rashawn Johnson listed as the backup. Bijan Robinson, the highly touted freshman, uh, listed as the third team running back right now. Got to think that that's going to change at some point, right? I mean, maybe not till later on in the season, but it, it just everything I hear about this kid, how special he is, it's just a matter of time till he breaks through and maybe is the feature back for this offense. Yeah, you know, Tom Herman said it a week or two ago that the the depth chart at running back doesn't matter. He's like, all three of those guys are going to get playing time. It doesn't matter who you see at the top of the list, who's second, who's third. Those guys are all going to get an opportunity to play. So, you know, I, I think Tom Herman, like there was a part of me that thought he was going to use or. Tom Herman's a big fan of the or. On so is Lincoln Riley, right? trust right? me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like this guy or that guy. Even if it feels obvious who the actual starter is going to be, sometimes Tom Herman will, I don't know if it's a motivational tactic for his guys. I don't know if it's to, you know, to spark up some conversation with the media or maybe to shut the media up a little bit uh, and have them stop assuming certain things. But yeah, there's a part of me that thought we would see an or on this, but I think maybe Tom Herman was just like, look, let's put the most experienced guy at the starter. I don't want this to be a, a hot debate on, on who's actually going to be the number one running back for this team. We'll just list it in this order, but you know, come uh, come this Saturday against UTEP, all those guys are going to get the opportunity to play. And look, hopefully Texas can take care of business. Hopefully this game is in hand. Uh, the line is close to 41-42 right now. So ideally, Texas does get the opportunity to give all three of those guys uh, a ton of reps this weekend, especially in some lower pressure situations. Now, I know the NCAA is allowing players to wear number zero this year. Is Tariq Black really going to wear number zero as a wide receiver? That's what it says on the depth chart. That's the plan, man, and man. I'm all for it. I'm uh, I'm in on the zero. I'm in on the double zero look, too, if we can ever get something like that uh, in the sport of college football. Might take some time getting used to, but, hey, if you're good, it doesn't matter what number you rock. You can make it look pretty cool. Yeah, no doubt. Oklahoma State also put out a depth chart over the weekend. Not much of a surprise there, really, uh, with so many starters coming back, especially on defense. Big news, though, over the weekend, Jalen Redmond is likely to opt out of the 2020 season. There's a report out there, I believe from Soonerscoop.com, that Sunday was the deadline that Lincoln Riley told his players, like, if you're going to opt out, you need to let me know by September 6th on Sunday. We already knew about Kennedy Brooks. Sounds like Jalen Redmond is the next guy. He's had an issue with blood clots in the past that has uh, kept him on the sideline. 
But I, I'm just telling you, I, I thought that Jalen Redmond was going to have a, a monster year, man. A monster, monster year. Now, I don't think that this is necessarily devastating for the OU defense, but it definitely hurts them from a depth perspective. And a guy that I thought, again, was going to have a really nice year. So this is more bad news for a team that's seemingly trying to find some good news before we get to the actual season on, on Saturday, man. Yeah, I mean, are you guys going to be able to field a full 53-man roster? It's been crazy with opt It's going to co-op with LSU this year is what they're going to do. <laughs> OU-LSU are going to co-op. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty remarkable. And this opens things up in the Big 12. I mean, those obviously have been the conversations had in Austin and at Stillwater and probably in Ames, Iowa as well. Like, hey, man, the, the big dogs of this conference, the team that has dominated this league for the last half decade and – hell, really, since the inception of this league back in the 90s, they're down this year, and they've got more questions than ever, and they're going to be shorthanded. And, hey, especially if you get them at the start of the season when they've got guys out with suspension, like, you got to strike, man. you got to take advantage of this team. So, I mean, Oklahoma still has some talented pieces. They recruit at a really, really high level. So if there's any team in this league that can deal with this many losses, it would be Oklahoma. But, man, I mean, they are just so shorthanded, especially on that defensive front, which – you know, I thought maybe could have been a strength of this team fully healthy this year in terms of talent and in terms of depth. And now it's just like, how the hell are they going to gonna find a way to, to have enough guys to be healthy to produce week in and week out? Yeah, uh, we'll preview OU here in a couple minutes. But, uh, boy, if they don't have elite quarterback play this year, then um, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see what it looks like if OU doesn't have elite quarterback play. Because, yeah, they have won the conference five years in a row now. But it's not like they're blowing out every single team in the league. I mean, they get I mean, they get a handful with Texas every single year. We know that. Um, Iowa State has played them extremely tough here two out of the past three years, winning one of those games. Um, Texas Tech has every time OU goes out to Lubbock, they got a fight on their hands. Oklahoma State always seems like a close game. TCU was a close game last year. Baylor, they had to come back from 25 down. Like you get the point, even though they're winning the league year in and year out. It seems like every conference game, they're winning each game by about three, seven, or only 10 points. It's not like they're just kicking everybody's ass and then going along with things, and it's coming easy for them. Yeah, you know, let me ask you this. This is going to sound weird, right? Because it'll feel like I'm bashing the guy who finished second place in Heisman Trophy voting last year. But if Spencer Rattler, you know, plays like Jalen Hurts does last year, is that going to be good enough to overcome the rest of Oklahoma's absences, or does he have to be more like Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray, like Heisman winning type of QB to lead this team back to the college football play? I, I think that he can get it done with Jalen Hurts type of play, and I'm still basing that off of, I do think that the defense is going to be better than last year. I, I know everything that they've lost. I, I understand that, but I think they have so much raw talent right now, especially in the front seven, that I think that they'll be better defensively. Um, so I would say Jalen Hurts type of play would probably win them a big 12 championship this year, but man, it's going to be, it'd be really close if that's the case. I mean, just from a numbers standpoint, it probably would, but Spencer Rattler better throw the ball better and more consistently than Jalen Hurts, because that was, that was an issue at times. And it seemed like every big game that you go into, it's like, okay, well, you almost have to factor in that Jalen Hurts is going to turn the ball over twice in this game. Hmm. So can OU, you know you're, they're not going to get a turnover. They only got 11 all last year. Can OU win this game losing the turnover battle 2 to nothing? That's what every big game felt like 
last year. Yeah. I mean, once again, I feel like an idiot asking that question. Like, oh, if this guy only plays as well as the Heisman runner-up did, is Oklahoma going to be okay? But yeah, I mean, there were times where Jalen Hurts did have turnover problems and and did keep games, keep the other team in games uh, against Oklahoma when it felt like they didn't need to be that close. So it's going to be fascinating to watch this kid play, man. I'm excited to see what he brings to the table on Saturday. And yeah, will he be good enough to, to offset the other issues that Oklahoma is dealing with this year? Yeah, I, I'm just looking at some of the spreads this weekend. Uh, really quickly, you you get to mess around with Texas minus 43 against UTEP. UTEP is a bad football team. That's a lot of points. Though. I know. Hey, UTEP is 1-0. Congrats to the Miners. They got their third win in the last four years. Now it was over an FCS program in Stephen F. Austin, and that game was uh, very, very close until the final few minutes. But I don't think I'm going to touch that. Uh, that's That's a hefty line, man. That's a lot of points, and you, you run the risk of garbage time touchdown mm-hmm. by UTEP when the game is already in hand to take it from like 45 to 38 or something like that. So, you know, I don't, uh, I don't think I, I don't think I'm going to mess with that one. That's a little bit too big of a spread for me. What about uh, OU minus 40 and a half against Missouri State, the worst team they played in like 21 years? You gonna mess around with that? I think you, I might. You tell me. I was gonna say. I mean, what are the uh, what are the expectations? Like, is the line that low because of uh, the uncertainty with Oklahoma, or is it just uh, you know Spencer Rattler's first game? We'll see what the kid has. I feel like I, I would be better served betting on that one. I, I yeah. would put more money down, or if I had to pick one of those two, I would bet Oklahoma to cover the forty and a half over Texas covering the forty two. I know it always doesn't work out like this. But OU played South Dakota last year. I think I may have told you this before. OU played South Dakota last year, and they won 70-14. to 14. It, was, it went exactly how you think an OU-South Dakota game should go. But South Dakota played Missouri State, and South Dakota beat Missouri State by five touchdowns last year at Whoa. Missouri State. So this, th- this is how bad that Missouri State is. Okay. Really bad. Thank you for that. I'm going to uh, make a quick phone call to my cousin after we get off the air and uh, and make sure he gets some money down on on OU this week. Kilner, I was thinking that maybe he was in a league. <laughs> uh, that's that's that's, uh, that's pretty awesome right there. Yeah, uh, I can't wait for this this slate of games this weekend for sure. And I assure you, before you check out any of those games, go check out LandryFootball.com. High school, college, NFL recruiting, NFL draft, free agency. Guy, you name it. If it's football, go to LandryFootball.com. Pre-game to post-game film analysis to all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and schemes. LandryFootball.com is your source for all things football. I guess we can go ahead and get into our team previews right now with uh, both Oklahoma State and OU. Uh, Mike Gundy said over the weekend that he's had a couple of players opt out. He will not mention who those players are. He will let those players do that themselves. But here we go again with Oklahoma State. High expectations, a lot of returning starters on defense, an offense that looks to have a, a whole lot of firepower this year. Um, but that's the thing, man, is it, it seems like when Oklahoma State has big expectations, they've had a tough time in the past living up to it. But they certainly have the offense to be in Arlington in mid-December to play for a Big 12 championship this year. There's no doubt. God, this has to be the year for Oklahoma State, right? I mean, if there is a year for Oklahoma State, this has to be the year. With all the returning talent that they have, they've got the best running back in this league. They've got the best wide receiver in this league. They've got a returning starter at quarterback. I know Spencer Sanders wasn't great last year, but he showed some signs, showed some flashes of uh, pretty damn good potential when it seems like the future is bright for him. You know, you never think defense for Oklahoma State. I don't think this is going to be an elite defense, but they've got, what, nine, ten starters back? 
I think 11. I think they got 11. Man, I mean, you might be right. One of those guys opted out that he's talking about, but I think 11. I think in their two deep, they've got 22 or 23 back out of the 24 guys in their two deep. It's ridiculous. Uh, however you look at it, whatever the exact math is, there's a ton of returning talent, ton of returning production on that Oklahoma State defense. So, like, it should be good. It was decent last year. It should be even better uh, in 2020. So, everything seems to be there for Oklahoma State. Uh, and, obviously, you look around this conference. We're talking about Oklahoma and the issues that they may have. You know, Texas is – it feels like Texas is more talented than they've been in a while, but it's still Texas, and, and we know what they've been in the last decade. And you want to talk about teams who haven't lived up to the expectations. Well, you could stay here in my city in Austin and uh, start and end the conversation right there. So – you know, questions for Oklahoma State, right? I'm curious to see who opted out. Like you mentioned, they also had a couple of potential starters on the offensive line enter the transfer portal within the last two or three weeks. So, you know, that was a strength for Oklahoma State, right? I mean, they've got all these returning starters on both sides. Part of it was the offensive line as well. Like, you know, Chuba Hubbard's great. You know, Tylen Wallace is great. You know, Spencer Sanders can be great, but you need a good offensive line to, to have those guys firing on all cylinders and have those guys clicking enough for this offense to really take that step which is uh, what's needed for Oklahoma State to win this league this year. So, you know, that's a little bit of a concern, right? What could the offensive line look like? But, man, it feels like there's uh, there's less questions about Oklahoma State this year than uh, than there has been in the last few years. I mean, maybe going back since the, to the start of the decade when they were winning 11 or 12 games in back-to-back years. So it feels like this should be a legitimate year for Oklahoma State to compete, and I, and I definitely see why the media projected them to go to Arlington this year, picking them second. Yeah, I – Again, I mean, skill position-wise, I, I think they even have a couple really nice pieces on defense. I like Trace Ford a lot, a sophomore. Eamon Ogbog-Bamiga is a linebacker that's played really well. Malcolm Rodriguez, they, they got good backers for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty solid defensively. They're going to be good – let's say this. I think they'll be good enough defensively to put themselves in a position to make it to the Big 12 championship this year. Obviously, I don't think that that means that they're going to be a top 10 or a top 15 defense. All I'm saying is I think they have a chance to be a top 40, top 50 defense. And in Oklahoma State, that's really all that you can ask for on that side of the football with the style of play offensively. The problem for them that I see with OSU, and I see it up front, you just talked about it, the offensive line. I really think that that could be a massive Achilles heel for them because, I mean, obviously if you're not good on the O-line, that's going to put a little bit more pressure on your run game. It's going to be tougher in the pass game, but – Let's remember that Spencer Sanders threw 11 interceptions last year and had 16 turnovers overall. Not exactly a recipe for success when the shakiest position group you have is probably the offensive line, and you have a sophomore quarterback coming back last year that did not do a good job of taking care of the ball. So I that doesn't change my mind on what Tylen Wallace is or what Chuba Hubbard is, but Spencer Sanders needs to prove it to me and he needs to prove it to me in conference play this year because he didn't a year ago. I need to see him consistently take care of the football, um, especially against good defenses. And, I mean, again, I feel like I say it every episode. I'm still picking OSU to make it to the Big 12 championship game, but my biggest question is probably how good Spencer Sanders is. Like, everybody's just factoring in that he's going to have this great season, and maybe that he will, but I'm a lot more skeptical that he's going to be the guy that most people think that he's going to turn into this year. Yeah, you know, I don't know if he has to have a great season, right? He has to be better than he was last year, but I don't know if he has to be like an elite quarterback in this conference or in college football. Like, I I still think Oklahoma State can get to Arlington 
if Spencer Sanders is the fourth best quarterback in this league, right? If he's not as good as Sam Ellinger or Brock Purdy or Spencer Rattler, I think Oklahoma State might have enough talent around Spencer Sanders where they could still at least get to Arlington this year. Now, could they win the Big 12? Could they make the college football playoff? Like I've seen some national pundits kind of put them as a dark horse contender. I don't know, but I think if Spencer Sanders just takes a little bit of a step from last year, then I think Oklahoma State has a shot to get to Arlington. You know, I think he will be better. Like, I, I, I don't know how much better. I'm still kind of in a wait-and-see mode like you, and I think there are some Oklahoma State fans who are there as well because of those turnover numbers last year, because of the sometimes uh, inaccuracy throwing the football down the field that we saw last year. But, you know, I think uh, some of that can be chalked up to just being a true freshman playing at this level and the speed of the game being completely different transitioning from high school to college. So I think uh, that experience that Spencer Sanders gained last year, having a full offseason, I know it's a pandemic-shortened offseason, but, a, you know, a full offseason to adjust – and to uh, improve from his mistakes, I think is going to help a lot. Now, the question is, you know, it, what happens if Chuba Hubbard doesn't rush for 2,000 yards this year, which I, I don't yeah. think he will. Like, that's not a really shot at Chuba Hubbard, but I think, once again, the offensive line questions with a couple of guys transferring and the fact that, look, I mean, that was one of the most productive rushing seasons in the history of this sport. Like, expecting that to be replicated is tough. Now, Jonathan Taylor did it two years in a row, right? Two 2,000-yard two, 2, seasons at Wisconsin in a row. So it can be done. I'm not saying it can't. But, you know, if Chuba Hubbard takes a little bit of a step back, whether it's offensive line issues, whether it's defenses, finding ways to figure out how to slow him down a tad, like can Spencer Sanders do enough? Can he take enough of a step to help that passing offense offset uh, maybe a little bit of a drop in production for Chuba Hubbard? So, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I'm still in a little bit of wait-and-see mode it sounds like I'm a little bit more confident in Spencer Sanders than you are, but uh, no, definitely there's uh, there's some wait and see, and this Oklahoma State team is going to go as far as he goes, right? If he can't take yeah. that step, then maybe this is the year for them to win the Big 12. If he's close to what he was last year or just takes a tiny little small step, then you know maybe Oklahoma State is uh, a game or two away on the outside looking in. Well, um, I good for them. The schedule that the conference gave them, of course, they're going to have Tulsa on September 19th now, and then they're going to go right into conference play. West Virginia at home should be an easy win. At Kansas should be an easy win. At Baylor, maybe it's not an easy win, but I definitely think Oklahoma State should win that game. I think that they should stroll relatively easy to a 4-0 start. Now, this is where it gets tough. It goes Iowa State and Stillwater, Texas and Stillwater, at Kansas State, at Oklahoma. That's a really tough four-game stretch that they have on their hands with the back two games coming both on the road. Here's why I think it's important that they have a soft start to the season is that, look, man, I don't think for a second that all that Mike Gundy stuff from this offseason got resolved. I, I think basically Mike Gundy just put like a cheap Band-Aid on the situation and that's it. So what happens to this football team if they lose a couple games early on, it looks like they're already out of contention for the Big 12 title. Do they fold? Do they quit? Do they throw in the towel on their coach? Does it? Does that Band-Aid get ripped off and all that hostility comes back to light? I mean, I, again, I think it's very important that they start off 4-0, and it's also very important that they navigate that tough four-game stretch of Iowa State, Texas, K-State, no you, because you know how it is, man. Everybody can get along and be fine once you're winning, but once you start losing – the fingers start to be pointed, and I think a lot of fingers will be pointed at Mike Gundy and how he really hasn't been all that impressive of handling these situations in the offseason. So you think instead of using uh, the Phil Swift flex tape, 
to seal up the bottom of the boat. They just used uh, some duct tape, some regular ordinary duct tape there. I think that that's highly disrespectful to duct tape because I think it gets the job done 98% of the time. Mike Gundy wishes, wishes that this situation had duct tape Hey, on. that's not what the commercial said, all right? I saw that guy cut a hole in the bottom of his boat and throw it <laughs> up with flex tape, and it worked. You know, that's interesting. That's an interesting storyline. I don't think it will be that much of an issue. And, you know, the, the whole hot seat question, it's almost non-existent this year, Tyler. Yeah. Like when, when coaches have buyouts, if a coach is entering the last year of his contract, then okay, that's an issue. And hell, we just saw the coach at Southern Miss get fired after losing one game. So maybe it is possible, but when coaches have as big of buyouts as Mike Gundy does, then, you know, I don't know what the hot seat would be like. I do think in a normal year with all that Oklahoma state has coming back and considering what did happen this off season with uh, his players sort of going against him with the whole OAN issue, you know, maybe if Oklahoma State were to underachieve, underperform this year, then Mike Gundy could be on the hot seat and could be on his way out of Stillwater. Because as great as he's been there, and he's been phenomenal in Stillwater, you know, maybe the feeling is they've plateaued a little bit, and the last couple of years haven't been great in Stillwater. And maybe, and I don't know if this is true, right? I mean, sometimes you see these middle or tier programs, they think they can do better, they get rid of their coach, they try to hire somebody else, and it doesn't always work out. But maybe... The thought is, all right, it's time to move on from Mike Gundy. Let's try something else and see if we can take this next step and get amongst the college football elite. Because of the economic situation, I mean, we talked about it on our last episode last Thursday. Like, if you've got Texas, which is the most cash-rich, financially resourced athletic department in the country, if they're having to make cuts and lay some people off and, and furlough some folks, then it feels like it's going to make an impact all across this league. So, yeah, I don't know if that's much of an issue for Oklahoma State in terms of Mike Gundy being on the actual hot seat, but your point still stands. I mean, it's a fair point. Like, what happens if things start to go off the rails a little bit in Stillwater? Does the team just completely quit on Mike Gundy? I don't think they will. You know, I think the fact that Chuba Hubbard and Tyler Wallace came back and, and forewent, I don't know if that's a word, but uh, passed up obvious – NFL draft selections to come back for another year to Stillwater. I think that means they're pretty bought in on this team. And I think even if they're not 100% bought in on their coach, I think they're bought in enough to each other to where they're not going to let this thing completely, completely go off the rails. So yeah, I'm with you. That's a tough four game stretch in the middle of the year. That's going to determine if Oklahoma state does get to Arlington when it's all said and done, but uh, I think they'll be okay on that front. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I will also say this about Oklahoma state. They, there is a psychological disadvantage they have in the Bedlam game. And regardless of what you think about OU this year, it's a pretty safe bet that they're going to have to beat OU at some point down the road if they want to win a Big 12 title this year. I mean, just yeah. to show you how lopsided it's been recently, Lincoln Riley as a head coach has more wins than Mike Gundy as a head coach in Bedlam. So, I mean, that's a pretty pretty telling stat, seeing as Mike Gundy's been there since 2000 and five as a head coach at OSU. So they have to, at some point, get over that mental hurdle of playing OU in a big game, whether it be in Norman this year, whether it be in Arlington. And that's really tough to do, man. When, when a team just has a mental edge over you, and maybe Texas had that over Texas A&M for a long time or Texas Tech for a long time. So maybe you can speak to this on the Texas side, but OU's just got a serious stranglehold over Oklahoma State right now, man. Yeah, I mean, what is it? 2-13? and 13? Mike yep. Gundy's record yep. against Oklahoma since being in Stillwater. So, look, I mean, the game's in Norman this year. 
which would normally benefit Oklahoma a whole heck of a lot, but with the reduced capacity and only 25% of the fans being allowed into Gaylord Memorial Stadium, that obviously makes things a little bit easier for OSU to go into Norman and, and steal a win this year. But yeah, I mean, there's got to be some sort of mental block. I mean, Oklahoma usually has more talent than Oklahoma State. There's no, there's no doubt about that. But even on the years where it feels like the teams are evenly matched or maybe Oklahoma State has a slight edge in talent, uh, it seems like, Somehow, some way, the Sooners find a way to win that game. But you're probably right, whether it's the game in the middle of the year in October or it's the game in Arlington for the Big 12 championship. I beg your pardon, the November game. November 21st is uh, the regular season Bedlam game this year. Whether it's that or the game at Jerry World in December, uh, Oklahoma State probably is going to have to beat Oklahoma at least once this year to uh, to win this conference. And I'll tell you what, Tyler, You know, I, I think I'm not worried about Tulsa in terms of Oklahoma State losing that game, but... I do think the Cowboys get hit and hurt a little bit because that game isn't this weekend, right? Yeah. Every other team in this league is going to get a bye before their first conference game. Now, it definitely helps that Oklahoma State's first few conference games are against weaker opponents, but uh, you know they don't get that benefit of uh, whether it's COVID-related or just getting some extra rest to ramp up for conference play. They don't get that week off that every other team in this league gets. So that's uh, another little bit of a storyline to watch if OSU looks a little bit sluggish early on in conference play. All right, there's our Oklahoma State preview. For more, go check out LandryFootball.com. I assure you he's got a lot on the Oklahoma State Cowboys, Spencer Rattler, Tylen Wallace, Chuba Hubbard, and the entire crew. They have coming back for this year. And now, uh, how about this? The team that's slated to to win the conference, once again, Oklahoma starting off number five in the AP preseason poll. And boy, do they look different this year. No C.D. Lamb, no Jalen Hurts, no Kennedy Brooks, no Trey Sermon, no Ramondre Stevenson for the first five games, no Jalen Redmond, no, uh, no Kenneth Murray. Um, boy, this team just looks... A whole lot different, but still slated to to win this conference once again. And it, it's kind of crazy, Brad, that you won't see a whole lot of preseason All-Americans on this team, and you won't see the preseason All-Big 12 team just flooded with Sooners either. It's just everybody is projecting that the quarterback play for OU is still going to be strong, and this offense is still, even with all the new faces, going to be the, one of the best in all of college football this year. Oh, man. I mean, with what we've seen from Lincoln Riley, and really it goes beyond Lincoln Riley. And we'll get to him in a second, but Oklahoma's won this league 13 times, and they've won it with eight different quarterbacks, Tyler. And even without proven commodities at that position, even without really talented guys at that position, you got Paul Thompson winning this league. You know, somehow, some way, the Sooners find a way to get it done more often than not. So I think that's why. I think that's part of the reason why a lot of people are picking Oklahoma to win this league. And the other part is Lincoln Riley's just the best offensive mind in college football, maybe the best offensive mind in all of football right now. And it seems like whoever he gets at quarterback, he finds ways to have those guys play extremely well. Uh, the Heisman odds for Spencer Rattler are ridiculous. I mean, they're top five. People are picking Oklahoma to win the Big 12. People are picking Oklahoma to make the college football playoff, despite the injuries, despite the opt-outs, despite the suspensions, despite the departures from last year's team. Uh, people still think Oklahoma is going to be really, really good. So, look, Spencer Rattler, the number one quarterback recruit in the country two years ago, I know he's a first-year starter. I know he's a first-time starter, but he was a part of that system last year. Got to learn from Jalen Hurts and obviously got to learn from Lincoln Riley, more importantly. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think the quarterback play is going to be damn good in Norman. I mean, am I crazy? Like, is this just 
I have so much respect for Lincoln Riley, and I have so much maybe Texas fan PTSD from Oklahoma finding ways to win this league with unproven commodities at quarterback, or do you think Spencer Rattler can really be as good as uh, some people think? I, I mean, I, it's expected to. Like, if Spencer Rattler can't be good here, where, where can he be good at? Because this offensive line is as deep as it's been in a long time. Bill Biedenboe normally craps all over his offensive line, even when they're really good. Ah, we still got to get a whole lot better. Ah, we're not as good as we need to be right now. A couple weeks he comes out and says, well, I really like this team's depth. I really like this group's depth. I really like their, you know, how they're playing right now. I'm like, who's this guy? <laughs> so if, if you can't succeed with this offensive line with a wide receiver core, that's still going to be really talented, a running back core, that's still going to be really good and the best play caller, maybe in all of college football. I mean, you, you get what I'm getting at here. It's like, yeah, yeah I think he's going to be good because if you can't succeed in this offense, then what offense can you succeed in? But the biggest question is, I mean, I think without a doubt, Spencer Rattler is going to have all the stats this year but it's almost the same conversation that we just had about Spencer Sanders. What are the turnover numbers going to look like? Jalen Hurts had a turnover problem last year, man. Spencer Sanders had a turnover problem last year. And will Spencer Rattler do a good job, especially in big games, like when they're playing Texas, like when they're playing OSU, can he limit the big mistake from happening? Because if he can limit the big mistake from happening and do a good job of taking care of the football, then I think the sky's the limit for this offense once again just because I think this offensive line is so, so good, man. I, I really think it has a chance to be – I mean, I, I think it definitely has a chance to be one of the best in all of college football, but maybe the best in the country by the time it's all said and done. That's how much depth they have. Yeah, that's like the one position group that hasn't been affected by this offseason, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, five returning starters, but no opt-outs, no injuries, no suspensions up front for OU. Do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah, so that I mean that's the the strength it always is with uh, Billy B up there. The offensive line in Norman is always ridiculous, and it feels like Oklahoma is always competing for that Joe Moore Award, right? The best offensive line in college football, and I'm with you. It feels like this year is uh, is no exception on that front. So, yeah, I think the offense is going to be there, man. I mean, look at the numbers over the last few years. Like last year was a down year for OU's offense. And they put up 42 points per game. They were still top five in scoring offense in all of college football. And that's their worst production under Lincoln Riley. So, you know, I mean, it's, I feel like they're at least good for 40 points per game. And if I had to guess, I think they'll top last year's number. I think they'll do better than 42 yeah. points per game this year. So the offense isn't going to be the issue, even without the running backs, right? The questions there, even without C.D. Lamb on the outside, some questions there. Uh, I still feel like Spencer Rattler is going to be really, really damn good, put up some ridiculous stats. And I think Lincoln Riley is going to find a way to have this group putting up 40 a game at least, which is going to make OU a tough team to beat. I think they feel really good about their defensive line. Um, you know, definitely has not been the case in the past. Neville Gallimore has gone to the Dallas Cowboys. But once Ronnie Perkins gets, gets back, he may be your best player defensively. Uh, Perrion Winfrey, the JUCO transfer, has – been having a really, really solid or had a really solid training camp and a start up to the season. LaRon Stokes, who was a senior this year, has played really well too. So I, I really think that at backer and at defensive line, they are going to be overall as a group better. But it's again, the question with OU is can they be good enough at corner when they get on that matchup with those 6'3, six, 6'4 six, wide receivers? And maybe there's not as many in the Big 12 as there were a couple of years ago when it really was an issue. But if OU can be good in the secondary this year, I think that this defense is definitely going to be 
as good as it was a year ago. And if they have the number one overall defense in the league, then I, I, I definitely think that they're going to win the conference once again. They had the number two total defense in the league last year, and it was actually number one until LSU put up 63 points on them in the Peach Bowl. Right. So, I mean, if it's if it's around that number again, OU's going to be really tough to beat. I, I don't care how much they have to replace. Yeah, I was a big fan of the Alex Grinch hire at the time, and he turned some heads last year. I think he surprised a lot of people. Not the fact that he was able to do that and have Oklahoma's defense playing as well as it played, but the fact that he was able to do that in year one, right, with what uh, Stoops had left behind and how bad Oklahoma's defense had been in the previous couple of seasons. The fact that OU, I mean, almost night and day difference in the span of one offseason uh, – was really, really damn impressive, and I think is a testament to how good of a coach Alex Grinch can be. The takeaway numbers were down last year, which uh, we've talked about, right? I mean, that was Alex Grinch's bread and butter at Washington State. Like, that was what made him such an attractive hire, what made him, you know, so excitable, I think, uh, from the Oklahoma perspective is, okay, even if our defense isn't that great, if we can just create some takeaways, create some turnovers, give our offense some shorter fields to work with, then that's all we need, right? Just have this defense be a complement to our offense, and our offense will take care of the wet rest. We'll be fine. The fact that Oklahoma was able to have one of the best defenses in this league without those takeaway numbers, I think, should scare people in the Big 12 this year. I like what you mentioned about the wide receivers. This is a really, really down year for the first time in a long time. It's a down year for wide receivers in this league. I mean, you look at the preseason all Big 12 wide receiver list, and you've got you know Kansas wide receivers on this list. I mean, you've got just a lot of unproven commodities on the outside, outside of Tylen Wallace, not a lot of returning production on the outside. So maybe for teams like Oklahoma and teams like Texas that struggled at corner and really struggled in pass defense at times last year, uh, they can offset that. They can overcome that because it sort of feels like a lack of talent there. Now, my question to you, Tyler, is – you know, Oklahoma's schedule is pretty front-loaded, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, they've got Missouri State this weekend. That's an easy win. But in conference play, you know, the first three games, Kansas State, who, of course, beat Oklahoma last year at Iowa State, and then the game against Texas, do the Sooners have enough with the suspensions early on to, to tread enough water? Like, the goal was obviously to make the playoff every year for Oklahoma. It's to win the Big 12 and to get to the playoff. Like, I mean, can they only lose one game in that stretch? Or do you think maybe there's a fear they lose two? And if that's the case, maybe this team's run atop the Big 12 can come to an end before the time we reach the middle of October. I ran the numbers this summer, and it almost seems like every year is the exact same. Like, I ran the numbers in terms of which month the loss for OU has come in recently. And it always feels like in September, they come out of the gate hot, man. I mean, you know, maybe they beat. FAU 63-14, maybe they go on the road to beat Ohio State, you know. Normally OU comes out of the gate and looks like one of the best three teams in the country. So they look like that for two to three games, and then for whatever reason they get into October and their play just really drops. Maybe they maybe they get beat by Texas. Maybe they lose to Iowa State at home. Maybe they lose at Kansas State. But for whatever reason, October has kind of for like the past decade now, maybe longer been a weird, weird year for OU where they just they play down a competition. They don't play good football. Then in November, they kick it back up again. They call it championship November. They play their best football, win all their games, and get to a Big 12 championship. So if this team loses a game, I mean, history tells you that it's going to be in the month of October, and the schedule this year tells you that it's going to be in the month of October as well. I mean, when you're talking about playing Iowa State, then playing Texas back-to-back like that, 
Um, that's going to be, and then having to go to TCU soon after that as well. It's it's going to be really tough to navigate October being unbeaten. But the one thing again, and I keep going back to this, I think the best position group on this team, I think the best position group in the conference is OU's offensive line. An offensive line play can carry you to victory. But, uh, boy, I mean, going to Ames and then going to Dallas to play Texas back-to-back that early, it's going to be really tough, especially knowing that Texas is – and I feel confident in saying this – Texas is going to play its best football game all year long when they play OU. So is OU ready to bring it that second weekend of October and match the intensity – of what Texas is going to bring inside the Cotton Bowl. That's, it's, it's going to be tough to, to get all the way through October unbeaten. I, I'd say that they probably drop a game, one of those games in there. Yeah, I mean, you go to November, right? The only tough game that Oklahoma has, at least on paper, and who knows? I mean, maybe these teams will play better than we expect, but you know, the Bedlam game, November 21st, that feels tough. But Kansas, yeah. West Virginia, and then Baylor with the first-year head coach and all the turnover that they have, like all, all three of those games – feel very, very winnable. And then Oklahoma State, I mean, OU's had Oklahoma State's number in the Mike Gundy era, so it feels like that one is winnable as well. You know, the question is, I mean, it's it's every team in the Big 12, right? If you're an OU fan, if you're a Texas fan, you always feel like, okay, if we can navigate this year with just one loss and we win this league, we're going to make the college football playoff. But obviously we've seen it in 2014 with Baylor and TCU, like some of the smaller market teams, they don't have that pull and they haven't always, you know, been, and I know that's only a one-year example, but they didn't get that benefit of the doubt. They didn't get that nod. But this year for any team in the Big 12, because there's no Big 10, because there's no Pac-12, it's, man, if you lose one game and you win this league, you're going to make the college football playoff. So that's the goal for everybody. And even Oklahoma, right? Like last year, there was a fear that, hey, Oklahoma, even with their one loss, even with winning the Big 12, like they might not make the college football playoff because of what's happening in Utah and what's happening around the country. It might not work out for them. This year, that's not the case. So, yeah, if OU can navigate that month of October or get through the month of October with just one loss, then, I mean, they've got a damn good shot to uh, to get back to the Final Four this year. Final question to you, or one of the final questions. Are, are you worried about running back? I know we've talked about this before, but just because we're doing the OU season preview, obviously you lose you lose your leading rusher technically in Jalen Hurts, but you lose your leading running back in Kennedy Brooks opting out. You lose Trey Sermon, of course, the grad transfer to Ohio State, but I don't you know I don't know what the hell is going to happen to him this year. Uh, any fear about the running back position, or do you think Oklahoma is going to find a guy or two to step up and replace what they're losing? The only fear I have is depth-wise. Depth-wise is my only concern, because I think Seth McGowan is going to emerge as a superstar by the end of this year, just based on what I've heard. I think Marcus Major is a definitely a capable running back. I think that TJ Pledger is a capable running back as well. What I've heard from Seth McGowan, like, don't be surprised if he emerges by the end of the year as like a top two, top three running back by the end of the season. And again, he's going to have that same offensive line that Kennedy Brooks has been running behind. Like, people, when, when Kennedy Brooks opted out, they listed like a stat, like, well, Kennedy Brooks averaged three yards um, before getting touched on a run before first contact. I'm like, is that a Kennedy Brooks stat or is that an offensive line stat? I mean, everything always goes back to, the O-line for me, but what I've heard about Seth McGowan, he does not look like a true freshman, Adam Mesquite. He looks like a kid that's ready to play now, and he is going to play now. I, I don't know how much he'll play Saturday against Missouri State just because you know how coaching staffs operate. Well, 
We'll give the first carries to TJ Pledger because, man, he's earned it. He's just earned it. But make no mistake about it, once this team gets to the Texas game and the Iowa State game, I think Seth McGowan's going to be RB1 for them in the backfield. He's that good. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree. You know more about it than I do. You're more in tune with the Oklahoma program than I am, but it feels like even when they do have questions at running back, somebody always steps up, right? Whether it's a graduation or a transfer or this year an opt-out, somebody on that depth chart is always uh, stepping up and producing at a very, very high level. I think more of that has to do with the offensive line, but also these guys are all four and five-star recruits, so that definitely helps too. Uh, you picking Oklahoma to win this league? Yeah, I mean, I just – and I'm taking the same approach as everybody else, man. Um, I, I just got to pick them until they don't do it. And, and I do think that one thing we haven't talked about is they have this confidence in big games and Big 12 championship games that as of right now, I, I don't think anybody else in the league has. I, I don't think Sam Ellinger's scared of the moment or anything like that, definitely. And I definitely think he can get it done in a big game scenario and some other players in this conference as well. But just Oklahoma has a team I guess there's a fundamental conference and a fundamental belief that they're going to make it to that game and they're going to win that game. Yeah. And still don't exactly know how good OU is going to be this year. Maybe they take a step back for sure, but there's just a lot of teams in this conference I can't trust, but OU is not one of those teams heading into this year. I'm with you, man. I mean, maybe this is 2019 Kansas basketball where, hey, you know, they've got enough questions. They take a little bit of a step back and a team or two is good enough to overcome and overtake Oklahoma. But uh, I'm in the same boat as you, man. Until I see somebody do it, I'm going to pick the Sooners to win this league. All right. Yeah, we will be back on Thursday, 10 a.m. right here on Twitch, and we'll be uh, getting you ready for all the action that's coming up here on Saturday. Not just the Big 12 games. We'll talk about some other games as well. God, maybe we need to talk on Thursday about how it's a blessing that BYU isn't in the conference this year so they wouldn't beat everybody by 40 <laughs> points because they looked freaking amazing last night playing at Navy. But any last words before we get out of here? We talk to you again on Thursday? No, man. I mean, it's uh, it was awesome to watch college football over the weekend. Huge bummer that TCU and Oklahoma State can't play. Uh, the hope is that those are the only two teams in this league that can't play this weekend, right? The hope is uh, – these teams can stay safe and can stay healthy. And the hope is everybody can stay safe and yeah. stay healthy so we can uh, get this college football season going and hopefully finish it a couple of months from now. Yeah, no doubt. All right, we'll be talking spreads, matchups, and everything else coming up on Thursday. But in the meantime, go check out LandryFootball.com for all your uh, Big 12 info. I assure you, you will not be disappointed if you go check out Landry Football. For Brad Kellner, I'm Tyler McComas. We'll talk to you on Thursday right here on the Chris Landry Football Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.